0: Hey gamers, this is Joe from What I'm Playing Now. I have episode 150 of the podcast that was originally recorded on February 26 of 2017. Some of the games I played for this week, a little more Final Fantasy trading card game, some Yokohama, a great worker placement game, a little more Puzzle Strike, this time with the Shadows expansion, some First Class, all aboard the Orient Express, a little Fabled Fruit, and a little more Diablo 3 Ultimate Evil Edition. I also talked about a few of the games that I want to play. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to the games. This is Joe Luzzi from What I'm Playing Now and welcome to another episode of the What I'm Playing Now podcast. Thanks for joining me for another week of gaming. As always, you can send me some emails. Let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild over there. We are guild number 2440. On Twitter, you can follow me at What I'm Playing Now. Don't forget to drop the G like I always say. On Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now. Our Google Plus page is plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. All right, let's jump into a few of the things I played this past week. Monday down at my local game store, several of us met up. One of the first things I got to play is yet another game of the Final Fantasy trading card game. I will probably not talk too too much about this since I had discussed this one on the previous podcast. I pretty much gave my thoughts. I actually played the Final Fantasy thirteen deck, I believe was the one I played, so I tried to switch it up a little bit. I believe the first time I had played ten this time I had actually played the thirteen starter deck uh to me, it played pretty much similar to the ten. It seemed like things were I think supposed to come out a little faster and move a little faster to me, it seemed to have about the same type of movement to it. And there were a couple of characters that I had found where I was able to pull off a couple of neat combos. There was one uh, character I was able to play out who wasn't able to get thrown back into my hand um, if somebody played a card to try to basically have them come back into my hand. So Final Fantasy trading card game, played it again. We'll see how much longer I will be playing this one. It's okay, like I said. If you're a fan of Final Fantasy, you will probably definitely like the game. Uh, Like I said last podcast, it really isn't bringing anything new to the trading card game market, but the IP of Final Fantasy and the cards do look really nice. So if you're interested in the game and you can find the game, it's actually very hard to find right now. Um, Good luck finding it, but if you can actually get some, give it a shot and see how it goes. After that, we switched over to something a little different, Yokohama. This is a worker placement game that also has some set collection to it. And probably the most interesting thing I think that I really enjoyed about Yokohama was the setup of the game. The tiles that you're actually going to be playing with the number of tiles you're playing with is going to change based on the number of players that you had we had a 3 player game going so we set up the tiles for the appropriate number of players but the interesting thing is there really there is no actual board game the tiles that you're placing into rows are what's going to actually constitute and make up the actual way you're going to be able to move throughout the different tiles so every time you set the game up it's actually going to be set up differently not only that there are additional cards that you're going to be placing on a majority of the tiles which can give you additional bonuses if you reach some of the higher numbers on the cards as far as having that many workers of it, that uh, that many workers on the space I think it's usually five is the number of workers you need to have on the space it's four or five um, workers on the space to be able to put maybe a house or a building onto one of the squares on there, which is usually maybe a few coins or some additional victory points later on at the end of the game. But just the whole setup of the tiles and, and the way you're putting them on the board, I think is going to make the replayability of this game pretty high. I mean, it's, it's amazing the amount of tiles that you're putting out and you have two different types of workers. I guess you can say you have small cubes, which we can call them like assistants, I guess, and the assistants are going to basically let your main pawn move along those tiles. But to move along those tiles, you need to have the square cubes down actually on the the other tiles, so you can can move adjacently to some of the tiles. So with those small square, you know, assistants, like I just said, you can place three of those down on your turn at a time and you you can put three down on different tiles or you can put two down on one tile and then what you do is you put your main pawn down onto one of the squares and you can move them around the squares where you've put your um or you can move them around the tiles where you have your squares and wherever you want him to kind of basically end up you will add up all of the colors of the tokens you have at that location, and that will let you know how many of the resources or how much you'll be able to interact with that tile. So, if you're on a tile where you're there, where there are possibly fish, if you have, let's say, three total, ti- you know, three total. Of your colors there then you will get a certain number of fish for the round as far as resources goes and there's multiple resources and there's several different things you're going to be able to do because not only are you going to try to collect resources to be finishing off objective cards that you're also going to be able to get you're also trying to sell some of these goods there are squares where you can go and you can trade the goods in for other things you can get shipping boxes which you will then need for uh, several of the other boards and there's there's the boards you're going to be moving along and then there's actual almost sub boards besides some of these places that will actually offer you to be able to do different things when you're on those locations so there's a lot going on tile wise on the board but i will say for a worker placement game i really enjoyed this one I thought that, like I said, just the way the whole board is constructed differently every game makes it very different and unique as far as, you know, a a worker placement game goes. Also, having to have your square tokens on the different tiles so you can move your workers along. What I had done about midway through the game, I had all of my squares dispersed throughout a bunch of different tiles. So I wanted to get to a tile where I was where I needed to be able to get multiple resources, and I didn't have enough squares to put down to be able to get past two. So I literally had to move my worker to a space, do my action, and then after you do your action, you can take your squares back from that space. So I had to move my worker along several tiles individually and take one square back each time just to try to get squares back to to be able to do multiple things in later rounds. So probably about mid-game, I kind of stalled out a little bit. I started off the gate fairly good. I was keeping up with um with a couple of the other players and everything. Mid game I kind of stalled out and then end game I kind of came back a little bit. So I once again In my Euro-style games, I I ended up mid-game kind of stalling out, which I seem to be kind of accustomed to when I'm playing some of these games, and it's it's something that I will definitely know for future games to not spread yourself too thin. The one thing I I think I neglected to kind of do early on that a couple of the other guys were doing was actually going to one of the squares and trying to obtain additional workers, which I had not done until probably about three-quarters of the way through the game, which was... Probably not the best time to be doing that. I should have been doing that in the first quarter of the game, trying to get additional workers and possibly some of those additional buildings that I could use later on in the game, because you only have so many squares and so many buildings available to you right at the beginning of the game. You can get more during the game as you're playing through. So that was something that I, like I said, I kind of neglected. I paid for it mid game. I was able to come back a little bit. I still enjoyed the game. When this one comes out, I have a feeling this one's probably going to be added to my get my buy list because I have a feeling my wife and I both would really, really enjoy this game. Yokohama, check it out if you have not played it yet, if you haven't seen it. I believe we were actually playing the Japanese version. Uh, my buddy Eric, I think this is one of the games he got over in Japan because I am not too sure. I think this was a Kickstarter, but I'm not too sure if this is actually... Available yet in retail. I believe when I looked on Board Game Geek, it says um, it might not be available till about May here in the States as far as retail goes. So, Yokohama, if you can find somebody that has this game locally, definitely check this one out, get it to the table. I really liked it. Great worker placement game, and I have a feeling when it does hit retail here in the US, it will be one that is added to my collection. All right, so that was pretty much everything we had played on Monday evening. Thursday, when I went down to the game store, one of the first things we started off with was a little game of Puzzle Strike. I've talked about this game a couple of times on some previous podcasts. One of the reasons why I did want to mention it again, we actually played with the Shadows expansion, which gives you, I believe, about 10 different characters and several other different puzzle tokens that you can actually play with. This game is definitely on my buy list. I've been wanting to pick up this game for a while. Uh, So I just need to actually just get this game ordered and get it into my house so my wife and I can give this one a shot. One of the things is when we actually play this game to assist us with picking out the puzzle tokens that we're actually going to be using for the game, we use an app to let us know which puzzle tokens to use. And the funny thing was the game that we actually played the other day consisted mainly of brown puzzle tokens as well as red puzzle tokens. The red puzzle tokens are pretty much all attack tokens where you're pretty much doing something to your opponent or making them discard something. So it was kind of crazy that we really didn't have any mixture of the other colors that actually come in the game. And it was literally just the base brown tokens as well as five or six additional red ones. And that was pretty much it. We had never seen a game where we actually played with that many red uh, puzzle tokens before but I will say it was actually kind of interesting and the game was very close right up until the end where my opponent attacked me and that was pretty much about it. I would There was not much I was able to do to fend off a attack of a four puzzle piece which is not able to be blocked and that was pretty much the end of the game for me but I still really enjoyed this game. I think Shadows add some additional really interesting characters to it Uh, I have not gone through all of the characters yet. We've played this game several times and there's still quite a few different characters that we still need to play. And I know there's puzzle pieces that we haven't even seen yet. So I think it's just really interesting the way this bag building game works. I really like it. If you haven't had a chance to play puzzle strike, this is another one that definitely try to get it to the table and check it out. It is a really, really fun game. Then after that on Thursday, The first big game I guess you could say we played, because Puzzle Strike, I don't want to say it's a filler game, but it's usually Puzzle Strike could be about a 15 to 20 minute game if if the players know what they're doing and there's only two players going. It's usually a quick game, so we kind of call that one of our filler starter games for the evening. Then we jumped over to First Class, All Aboard the Orient Express. This is a newer game that had just come out a couple of weeks ago. One of the guys brought it down. This game is similar to, I guess you could possibly say, along the lines of maybe like Russian Railroad. It has some of the type of mechanics, but the game is all card-based, which is a big difference from R- Russian Railroads. And I will say, First Class was a heck of a lot of fun playing that one. In First Class, what you're going to be doing on your turn, you're going to be doing a draft of cards that are in the middle of the table. There's going to be, I believe three different rows of cards. We were playing a four-player game, so when one row got down to two cards, those last two cards basically got swept away and were not able to be taken by any of the players. And what you're trying to do is you're essentially trying to build out a tr- two pot- two train tracks uh, with different numbered uh, trains that will be your scoring for the round. You also then want to move your Conductor out onto those trains, because you will only be able to score up to the card of where your conductor is and then back to the left of that. There's also a train on the top of your tableau that you can move. He will The train will give you some additional victory points, as well as some possible actions at the end of the round. The game consists of six rounds. There are two, set, two rounds per sets of cards, and there's three different sets of cards that you're going to be going through. It's a pretty straightforward game. I will say it's not, it was, it was really easy to pick up and learn, but there is just a lot of strategy going on here because there's just so many different ways that you're going to be able to score. And it's a game that is going to ramp up and score probably similar to Russian Railroads from what it looked, you know, from, from playing first class, it really reminded me the scoring, the way it ramps up, because as you're playing the game, A lot of the train pieces, tiles that you're starting off with are going to be zero victory points. When you flip it over, it's going to be a one. When you upgrade that, you're going to be able to go to a two and then it goes to four. Then it goes to like a seven, a 12. And then the one card that I was actually playing, we were playing with, um, I believe it was called Celebrities. We were playing with a couple of the different, I guess you could kind of say expansions or modules for the game. And I believe there's... Uh, five different modules that you can actually that the game actually comes with and i believe you pick two of those that you add to the base game so the one we were playing with was celebrities and what they do actually is they multiply whatever train they are by so i was able to get my first train spot up to 12 i threw a celebrity on there which basically multiplied it so when the scoring round came around i was getting 24 points for my one card so everybody kind of looked at me and they were like huh Okay, those are actually kind of powerful. And it was, I was able to pick up a couple of celebrities and get some good points. Unlike other games where I kind of maybe mess up in the middle of the pack, I think I messed up more towards the end of the game where I tried to go down one path and kind of got too focused, I think, on concentrating on something. And instead of paying a little more attention to some of the cards that were available during one of the last drafting phases, I kind of messed myself up, and I think I kind of blew myself out of a way of having like these 10 extra points, which really would have helped me and pushed me um, into possibly more of the lead than I was. The game that we actually ended up with, the scores were actually really close, but it was a really, really great game. Um, I'll definitely have to play this one a couple of different times, especially with some of the different modules that are available. Like I said, I can't remember... Both of the modules that we had used, I knew the one was the celebrities because of the multiplier that they gave, but I really like this. It did remind me some of Russian Railroads, and Russian Railroads was a game I've talked quite a bit about. We played Russian, German Railroads. Those games were, were hit the table for my group quite a bit, and I have a feeling this game will actually probably hit the table a couple of times before we are moving on to something else, but First Class All Aboard the Orient Express, definitely a great drafting game, uh, set collection and there's just so many different strategies you can go by besides moving your conductors. Like I said, if you can conduct, when you get your conductor to the sixth card spot or the fifth card spot, you actually get to pick from one of several cards that are in your own stack. That is a sixth card, which will come out, which can then give you some additional. Um, actions as well and then when you get to nine you get to play a 10 a 10 card if you can get your conductor all the way to that 10th card you actually can put one of your tokens on The one board to get, um, I believe the first person there will get 20 additional points. The second person there will get 10. And then the third person there will get five victory points at the end of the game, which actually added up very quickly for a couple of people and jumped them ahead towards the end of the game because they were able to get their conductors all the way out to that 10th spot. And like I said, there's that train tableau along the beginning or the top of your, your tableau there. And you can pick train cards and each train card that you... That you, land, that you can move your train to, there is a little kind of like pocket watch there. When you get to the pocket watch, you then get to do the action on that card during the end game or the end round phase. And those can add up to some additional nice combos and doing some of the combos, I think, in this game and finding those out as you're playing is kind of is part of the fun of the game. Because you can really start chaining things together just by completing a couple of different things. You also have currency that lets you buy cards as well as move some of your workers, or your train along and do some additional things. And so a lot of different things going on and not only in your tableau, but in the drafting area of the game. Really fun game. I can't talk highly enough about this one. This is definitely one I will be picking up once I can get my hands on that first class all aboard the Orient Express. Definitely want to check this one out. Then we jumped over to a little card game from Stronghold Games, Fabled Fruit. This one's actually been out for a little while. It's kind of hard to get. I know it's sold out down at my local game store, and I think pretty much everywhere else it's kind of sold out, and people are waiting for the second printing of this one. But Fabled Fruit is kind of interesting. What you're going to do is everybody is going to have a different animal. I was playing as the snake, I believe. There is going to be a tableau in the middle of the table where you're going to put your little character as kind of like your worker on there when you put him on the card, and you can move him to any of the cards that are making up the tableau in the center of the table on your turn. You're going to take the action that is on that card. You're going to start off with two different cards in your hand. They are going to be possibly either the same type of fruit or two different types of fruit. There's things like pineapples, bananas, strawberries, grapes, and a couple other different types of fruit, I believe. And what you're trying to do is not only do the cards that are in the center of the table give you some sort of action and give you some sort of resource possibly in regards to being able to take more fruit to your hand or giving somebody one piece of fruit to get multiple pieces of fruit back, they also have a line of fruit along the bottom which is what you're trying to do for set collection. And if you can obtain those and match those fruit that are along the bottom of the tiles, you get to take that card, flip it over, and it is a fruit jar then at that point in time. And in a five-player game, the first person to collect three of the jars is the winner of the game. And this game is really crazy because one of the neat things about it is when you start off playing, there is a whole stack of different characters that make up the game and make up the board, but you're playing with a limited amount. And as you're going through the game and playing playing through each game continuously from one game to another, you're going to start off with the characters that were on the board from before. And then there's usually about four characters per set. So let's say there were like four elephants. And then once those four elephants come out, there would be another character. Once one of the piles is depleted, that character would then come out, and that character would then offer something different as far as an action goes, and then as far as being able to take them for points or for the you know for the fruit jar, he has a different requirement on the bottom of the card as well as what he needs um, as far as set collection goes for for to match him. So, I my buddy Eric said he has this game and he's been playing it for a while and when you start off, we were on the early numbers of the cards and he says he was only up to like the middle twenties. And I believe the cards go well into the forties. Plus I believe they go higher than that. So there's a lot of replayability in this game because you're constantly playing with different actions and different set collections that you're trying to go for, which is really going to change up the game each time you play, which I think is one of the really neat aspects of the game. Um, I think by having that that change each game and not just sticking with the same nine type, you know, or six types of cards that are out there on the table um, or however many were out on the table. I can't even remember off the top of my head right now, but you know, that's, it's the number of cards are always going to be the same, but the actions that they all do are going to be different as you're working through this huge stack of cards that are kind of at the top of the table. So Fabled Fruit, really interesting game. I really like that one. Um, I don't know how this one would play with two people. I think with two people, it's not really going to be as fun. Some of the cards really do have a tendency to kind of kick off and activate and do more things with more players um, being at the table. So I think just having two people... While the game will work and will play, I don't think it is optimized really for two people. And I will say it played great with five. We had a really good time with five. So Fabled Fruit, Stronghold Games, another great game from them. After that, my wife and I jumped over to a little Diablo 3 a couple of nights ago. I think Friday night we got a pizza. We sat around, we played some Diablo 3. We actually made it through the first act. We were able to finish and I believe defeat the Skeleton King which is one of the, I believe that's the end boss for the first act. At least I hope it is, because that's what I said it was. So I, I told my wife it was. I go, I think this, is, this was the end character for this. So if not, that's all right. I also picked up the strategy guide for the Reaper of Souls expansion because there were several things that were new in the game since I have played it years ago I played it when it had first come out and the game has the game's really changed since I first played it and I'm still trying to get back into some of the different things especially with some of the different vendors and what the vendors can do as far as crafting and all of that goes I'm trying to remember a lot of that stuff so I, I need to sit down with a couple of strategy guides and hit the internet and read a couple of more things just to refamiliarize myself with some of those things but So far, my wife's playing as the Crusader. I'm playing as a magic user, as a wizard. And between the two of us, I'm dishing out a ton of damage. She's able to just stun and just deal a ton of damage herself. And we seem to just be plowing through the game so far. And we're playing at normal settings. I didn't play it easy. And I also didn't want to play it as as hard the first time she played through it. So I have a feeling if we do finish this game once, we might have to play through it a second time. And uh, maybe played a higher difficulty level, but I'm interested in, in getting into the fifth act of the game, which is something new to the Reaper of Souls expansion, I had only played the base game. So if I've only played through the first four acts. So there will be an additional act here with this game that we're actually playing that I have not seen. So I kind of can't wait to actually get to that part of the game. Because as we are playing through this game, I'm remembering some of these dungeons that I've been in before. Because I did play through the game three full times and probably about a half of a fourth before I kind of stopped playing. And I was just, had leveled my character up to the highest level possible and was kind of just a little bored with the game at the time. But so far, I'm having a lot of fun replaying through the game now since it's been several years since I've played the game. So we will be continuing our adventures with Diablo 3 until we beat Diablo himself. All right, so those are the games I played for the week. Here's a few of the things that I want to play. Gloomhaven came out this past week into retail. And while this is a co-op game, I'd still kind of like to get this one to the table and and try it out just to see how it is. I don't think I will be adding this game to my collection being a co-op dungeon crawl. I don't know how that would go over in my house. I know my wife's not a huge fan of co-op. And while this game does sound really cool, and from what I hear, it's a great big box, this is something I definitely need to try before I buy. So Gloomhaven is something that I'm kind of interested in, in looking forward to. And then AEG started off the Kickstarter for Thunderstone Quest, which I instantly backed day one. Thunderstone is a great deck builder that I really enjoy. Um, I've enjoyed it since my wife had got it for me for my birthday years ago, and kind of can't wait to see how the whole Quest thing is going to turn out. It sounds like they have Some new mechanics in there, and some different things that they're actually adding into the game. Uh, It sounds like there were so far the game is doing really good in regards to unlocking of stretch goals, and they met their goal. I think within the first hour or two. I I mean it was it, it they met their goal very quickly from what I remember that first day. So AEG seems to be doing pretty good with Thunderstone Quest. I really can't wait to actually get this one in, and I know I have a while to wait. So. We're just gonna have to wait and see what happens, but Thunderstone Quest, I'm really looking forward to that one. And that's about it for this week's podcast. As always, you can send me some emails, let me know what you're playing now. You can send those emails to what I'm playing now at gmail.com. You can also join us in some conversations over on BoardGameGeek. We have a guild there. Guild number 2440 is our guild number on Twitter. At what I'm playing now is our Twitter name. You can follow me there. I will sometimes tweet out pictures of what we're playing at the time as well as some other industry news and what's going on. Facebook, just do a search for What I'm Playing Now on Google+. It's plus.google.com slash the plus sign. What I'm Playing Now podcast. And then, I'll, as always, our Twitch channel is twitch.tv slash what I'm playing now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me for another podcast and another great week of games. I will be back next week with yet another podcast and some more games played. Until then, you know what to do. Go play some games and then let me know what you're playing now thanks for joining me everybody have a great week i will talk to you later bye bye